Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam. And this is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. And we have gathered together once again to talk about two more episodes of My Hero Academia. This time we are looking at episodes 47 and 48. If you have not seen those two episodes, you should be wary that this is a spoiler podcast. We're going to talk about literally all of the things. Um, yeah, you should back out now. Yeah. This it's is your, your last chance. <laughs> this is your chance. We probably should have said that really, really early on if we didn't uh, about this just being us spoiling everything. So, um, But otherwise, buckle up and enjoy the ride because we, we certainly aren't due. Yeah, 47 was an awesome episode. And I think 48 is just like blew my mind. I think I'm still trying to recover from that one. Yeah, a lot... A lot takes place in these two episodes that colors the entire narrative of the whole show, and there's going to be a lot to talk about, especially when we get to kind of the the climactic moments of episode 48. But a lot of really neat and awesome stuff takes place well before then, too, that's well deserving of attention and praise and, and discussion. Definitely, definitely. So let's go ahead and just hop right into episode 47. Uh, you know, it starts off pretty much where we left off last week, where we're seeing the media pretty much just grilling the school board. And it's it seems like it's mainly Aizawa that's doing all the talking. Like Nezu kind of speaks up, but I don't feel like Vlad had a whole lot to say. Which is interesting because Vlad himself says something along the lines of like, this is something that Aizawa hates. And he's trying to, like he, Aizawa, is trying to keep his cool uh, in the midst of this. So yeah, for Aizawa to be the spokesperson is an interesting choice. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's kind of funny too, because there's a couple of moments here where the media is asking some pretty hard questions. And Vlad has this internal monologue where he's kind of talking to himself like, oh, come on, Eraser, don't fall in for this. You know, he's expecting Eraserhead to just totally explode, I think, on everybody. And, you know, surprisingly enough, he handles it really well. Like he's answering these questions incredibly... Um, not savantly. That's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, carefully, professionally, carefully. Yeah. yeah. Like he's really tiptoeing around these questions and every once in a while, Nezu will kind of speak up and answer one. Uh, and they finally get down to where a media, someone in the media actually asks them like, well, you know, you're talking about all these things you're doing for the students. Like they've brought in psychologists and they're giving them time off and time to spend with their family and whatnot. But what about Bakugo? You know, what about Katsuke Bakugo? What are you doing for him? He's been kidnapped, yada, yada, yada. And it's pretty clear to us that from the moment he's been on the scene, he has had these evil tendencies. And it's great because uh, Aizawa stands up and fully takes responsibility for it. Like, it's just a great moment where he's like, you know, we, we're aware of this, but I promise out of everybody in Class 1A, he's the least person that's going to turn into a villain. Yeah, and I thought that that was a remarkable thing for him to say. Um, he, this is where Vlad grows really concerned about what Aizawa is actually going to do because he stands up and he's very resolute looking. And instead of flying off the handle, uh, he bows at the waist. Um, and like you said, he takes full responsibility. And he basically says, listen, Bakugo's ideal is strength. And he's trying harder than anyone to be a hero. And if the villains saw this as an opening that they could exploit, then they're being short-sighted. Yeah. And that's a really cool perspective. I mean, we, we, we know that Bakugo is a try-hard. Um, but for Aizawa to hedge it like he did and see exactly the lengths and the efforts that Bakugo is exerting and why, and I think the why is couched inside of what Aizawa says about him. Um, it's a really neat line and perspective on that character. Yeah, I definitely thought so too. 
Uh, and then this is when it, Teddy Rexpin kind of picks up and, and tells them that they don't really have a lot of information on the League of Villains, that they're doing the best that they can, but at the moment they don't have much. And it transitions. I, I love the way they do these transitions where we see you know, a TV screen somewhere like Midoriya and company are watching it from a like town square to the actual conference room itself and then into the League of Villains like quarters or their their hideout where we see Bakugo and Shigaraki and all of them watching it. Like I thought that was a really cool transition the way they did that over the last few episodes. Yeah, it's neat that I mean of course the League of Villains would be watching this, um, but you know, Bakugo is in the room with that crew as as they're continuing uh, at this point, if you know surely you've watched the last episode and listened to us talk about this. He's been released from his bonds and he blasted Shigaraki in the face. Um and this is like, I guess in this exact moment, he overhears what's gone on over the radio. And he's like, yeah, I mean, he, Bakugo immediately starts playing and he's trying to figure out, all right, uh, what, what can I do to get myself out of this particular situation? And, and uh, Kurogiri thinks that Shigaraki is about to lay into Bakugo. And uh, so it's it's a very high tension uh, scene in this secret bar for sure. Yeah, it definitely is a pretty high tense moment there. I mean, Bakugo comes straight out and even says something along the lines of like, wow, it seems like those teachers know me better than I thought. And Mr. Compress who makes a really good point here. He says, you know, it would have been a lot smarter for you to have just played pretend and gotten more information. But instead, you're just telling us exactly what you're thinking. And Bakugo makes the comment that like he can't even play pretend when it comes to this kind of stuff. Right. I, think, I think that's pretty telling of his personality. Yeah. In the manga, it says, I'm, if I'm not feeling something, I ain't going to lie about it. That's awesome. Is he as violent in the uh, manga as he is in the show, or have they amped that up in the show? Uh, I mean, it's j- just the fact that he's animated in the television show gives Amps him... it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, when I'm reading, you, you see... I mean, obviously, movement is communicated, but it's, it's something t- altogether different to watch Bakugo uh, actually moving instead of visualizing this movement that's implied by lines and whatever in the manga panels. Sure, that makes sense. Well, we transition over to Midoriya and all of his friends, who include Ida, Momo, Kirishima, and Todoroki, and they're over at the Nomu factory where they have followed the tracking device that Momo has planted on one of the Nomus. Uh, and it's, you know, this is one of those funny moments here where Ida is like really upset because he does not like the idea that probably the least sneaky people of the entirety of 1A are sneaking into this Nomu factory. Uh, and at this point, they don't know it's a Nomu factory at all. Like they're just thinking that this is where the League of Villains is hiding out. Uh, and he tells them that he's not going to hesitate to keep them safe. Like the second that they get into any kind of a fight or anything looks weird, they're going to be getting out of there. And this is when Midoriya starts to do this weird, like, planning thing that he does, where he's, like, yeah. hunched over and whispering to himself. Yeah, he's mumbling, uh, muttering and mumbling, yeah. I think. One of yeah, the two terms that they use. And it's funny, too, because both in the manga and in the anime, they're still, when, these, when this particular group of students is on the screen, they're still in their disguises that they picked up in the last pair of episodes. So every yeah. time they're on the screen, it's like asterisk uh, Yayorozu or asterisk Tenyaida, as if we can't tell or don't know who they are. It's, <laughs> it's just a funny little... Thing that they did in both mediums that uh, that made me chuckle a bit. Yeah, I think it's really great. We end up seeing a great scene here where Endeavor wants to know why he should clean up UA's mess. And it looks like they're kind of having a massive conference between Sukoichi and All Might and several of the other members of the pro heroes. And on top of that, like this police squad, and they're talking about their plan on how they're going to execute getting to the hideout for the League of Villains and also the Nomu factory and what they're going to do. 
And I just love the fact that Endeavor is totally like, why am I here? Like, I know I'm the number one hero right now, but I don't, this isn't my problem. Yeah. And the police person just points out that this isn't just something that is relevant to UA. It's, this is a much bigger picture. This is the preservation of our entire hero society is resting upon, uh, the, you know, the success or failure of this particular operation. And I think this is where we start to see how the teams are going to fall out. Um, so you have group one is going to be best genus, tiger, mount lady, gang, orca. And then in the manga, there's another hero that I don't remember seeing in the anime and I could not find him on the wikia, but he's, he's on a panel doing something. Maybe. Maybe that's your uh, number three hero that you're missing. <laughs> Maybe it is. Uh, but he, yeah, he's a strange looking dude. He's just staring at Gang Orca's face in one panel. It's strange. You know, you don't see him anywhere else. But uh, so that's oh. group one. And they're going to be going to um, one of the two locations. They don't really know what those two locations are. But we know that they're going to end up at the Nomu factory area. Um, and then team two is Endeavor, All Might, Gran Torino, Kamui, and Edshot. And they're going to end up at uh, the, the actual location of the League of Villains. I wanted to point out something, too, really quickly about Best Genist. His costume has been upgraded or updated. Did yeah, you notice Yeah, it seems this? like it was just a little, like he's missing the pockets on his neck thing, isn't he? No, he's still got the neck thing. He's just like added a layer. Yeah. And it looks like... Like his, Maybe they're covered up. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's it's strange because, I mean, my notes just say best genists fly is down, like examine your zipper, because it's like this coat where like the crotch is the zipper, and again, it's over his face, but he has it unbuttoned and unzipped. It's just strange look. Best genist, for being a guy who is whose power is like built around fashion, in a sense, he has none of it, in my well, opinion. Maybe he's, maybe he's setting the fashion trends for this world. Or, or... He's like one of those crazy, ahead of the curve, futuristic, you know, <laughs> that like Lady Gaga is buying up all of his stuff for her, for her concerts kind of. I could see that. Yeah. I could see him being like the designer for all of Lady Gaga stuff. Yeah, it was, it was weird. And to be fair, I guess when your quirk revolves around like threads the way that his does, the more material you have on your body, the more material you have to work with, right? Okay, that makes some sense. I mean, he's he, he does know that they're potentially going into a, a literal hive of villains. Right. And so, I mean, I guess maybe he has to prepare for the fact that maybe the villains are going to fight naked or maybe not have any kind of cloth he can manipulate, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. So he's just overprepared. All right. I can yeah. appreciate that explanation for this extra layer of his. I will say I, I've got to give Best Genius some big props here because in this big meeting, he's talking about how even he believes that Bakugo is not going to break bad. And I just have a note that I think it's really awesome that all of these teachers seem to be paying enough attention to these kids that they know that he's not going to break bad. You know, that they know him well enough to be like, no, he's he's not going to give in. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he explains it. He says that, you know, I invited Bakugo to my agency in the hopes of reforming his behavior, but he's so stinking headstrong. I think he even says something like the very roots of his hair are filled with pride. Um, but he does say that they need to hurry because while he might not think that Bakugo will break bad, he does believe that Bakugo can be pushed to a point where he's going to act in a, in a manner that would, you know, possibly endanger him further, uh, more than he already is just by the merit of being in the villain's possession. So there is, you know, on top of that, a sense of urgency in, in all of this. And I think they also mention again, like Gran Torino is like, why did you, why did you bring me in on this all might and all might's like, because you know, who is probably going to be involved, like given the scale of this thing. 
it's kind of funny. All Might seems to have a weird aversion to saying all for one's name. It's kind of like Voldemort or something. Yeah. He just, in the manga, it just says, we could be sure he'll make a move. I don't remember exactly how he said it in the, uh, I mean, he didn't say, you know who, but. uh, No, but in the show, he definitely just refers. Right. Yeah. In the show, he definitely just refers to him as like he, or he'll do this, or he's going to be there or whatever. So. Yeah. And then we get a bit of a. Avengers assemble moment as the two teams split up and, and go to their respective um, locations. Definitely. And I think this is actually the moment when I think it's Sukoichi says that they had Nezu feign ignorance on the uh, yes. school board interview. So that way the villains wouldn't expect them. Yeah. And it does. It works The when the, when the heroes break onto the scene in a minute, uh, there, they even make mention of you were literally just at this press conference, but uh, truth be told, All Might was not, and that should have been concerning. I would have thought to the League of Villains that a high-profile hero on the school board for UA, All well, Might is isn't is sitting he, at this uh, conference. Like, why would that not be like, huh? I wonder where he is right now. Is he still on the school board? I assumed at the end of the last season he dropped off the school board because Sukuichi had told him to. And then on top of that, he wasn't at the campsite, and Vlad and Aizawa were, so it makes more sense for them to be there, right? But he's back there after the incident with President Mike and the rest of the staff when they're talking about, you know, traitors. That's fair. Yeah, but I guess I I just assumed he was supposed to be there because he's the number one hero or something. Possibly. I I thought that I didn't take the detective telling him you should as a definitive he did. So in my perspective, I haven't thought of him not being on the staff somehow of of UA, but I haven't, I also haven't thought about him not being on the staff anymore. So like, I haven't thought about it much either way. Yeah. Well, I will go ahead and give you guys a warning here. There is a lot of back and forth between what happens from here on out uh, at the League of Villains hideout and also at the Nomu warehouse. So, the way that we're going to break these episodes down is basically talk as if they all happen back to back. So, you know, we're going to tell you everything that happened at the League of Villains hideout, and then we'll talk about the Nomu warehouse. Uh, why don't you go ahead and start us off, Atkins? Where, where do you want to start? At the uh, Nomu warehouse? Uh, let's start with uh, League of Villains hideout. Okay. So, we're back to where Bakugo is with the uh, with the villains. And he is, like I said, he's kind of trying to piece together his escape route because he's basically very boldly told these villains to shove it. Yeah. Um, just, it just, a, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I think he hears uh, Shigaraki, who Bakugo believes to be in charge, refer to the off-panel, uh, well, who we know to be the off-panel all-for-one, as master and Bakugo is like master. I thought that, uh, you're, he's like, you're not the boss. If, if you want to listen or if you want me to listen to you, then you just need to get on your knees and die is what he says. Um, that's funny. Cause in the English version, he tells him to get on his knees and beg. Yeah. He's always so much more aggressive in the, in the uh, subtitled version. I think, I mean, even in the manga, he just says, want me to listen, stuff it and go to hell. I mean, I guess that's, <laughs> that's even more aggressive than the English for sure. Right. Well, and I think this is the first moment where Shigaraki asks the master for his powers. He's like, go ahead yeah. and lend me your powers. So that's already kind of, that's a creepy comment to make because we know how all for one works. Yeah, it's foreboding for sure. Um, so Bakugo is trying to figure out, all right, I can maybe take out like two or three and then I got to figure a way out of here. And his thought process is actually interrupted by a pizza delivery person knocking at the door. Oh, I love this scene. It's so <laughs> great. Like you just hear the knock, 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 pizza delivery. <laughs> And And then out of nowhere, it's All Might smashing through the side. Blast through. I think he punches Spinner like right through the wall. 
I think so. Yeah. Like he just sends them flying. And all of this happens super fast. So it's, it's amazing. This coordination, it's so cool to see these heroes coordinate. And wasn't it like during the, um, the festival arc that Kamui had made mention that heroes sometimes do get together and practice like maneuvers together, uh, you know, with these like, uh, what are the, um, with, uh, shoot synergies with their powers and stuff. Definitely. And I mean, he comes in clutch in this instance because the second that All Might knocks down that wall, Kamui comes in and he uses an ability he calls preemptive strangle, I think. Oh, so he says preemptive binding, but I think the move is called the lacquered chain prison. Gotcha. Yeah, something along the lines of that. And he ties everyone up with his, his wooden powers. I mean, he's pretty much like the... UA Druid, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I kept. I think I called him a twig blight the first time we uh, we saw him. <laughs> That's great. So he wraps everybody up. Gran Torino dashes in and kicks Dobby in the head because Dobby's just like wood. Pff, you know, I'm fire based pretty much. So he starts to uh, light his hand or or something on fire, and GT just knocks him straight out. Yep. And then Ed shot is the one that turns out was knocking on the door and he opens up the door and introduces this entire like squadron of police units. And then outside Endeavor is standing there. And of course he's like complaining that he's not in on the action. And he's yeah. like, come on, Sukowichi, why can't I be in there with them? And he goes, come on, you like if these guys escape, we need someone out here to fight. So in reality, like Endeavor is kind of the, the still the number one hero here. Like he, they're still giving him a lot of respect in the sense that like, look, we sent our best heroes we're still worried people may get out, so we're saving our literal best just in case, you know? It's so I was surprised that he was offended by that. This was a strange thing in the subtitled version again, because it's not in the manga, and I'm curious to hear if it was in the English. When Endeavor is asking the detective, like, why am I out here? In the subtitled version, he says, why does the American get to lead the charge while I'm stuck on guard duty? That's interesting, because I didn't think that All Might was American. I didn't think... I think we've talked about this before. And yeah. Yeah, our understanding... I mean, in the movie, he's a foreign exchange student, isn't he? That's what... I mean, <laughs> that was my impression. Maybe the movie's not 100% canon, but... Yeah, it's strange. I definitely thought that. He doesn't call... He calls him Meathead in the manga, but... Uh, yeah, I was just like, who is he calling the American? All Might That's is the only person in there who I could think he was talking about. But anyway, maybe a little discrepancy in translation or... Who knows? Um, right, right. Well, but, this is when uh, Chigaraki realizes that they're pretty screwed. Like, they, he has no real way to get out of the situation. So he goes ahead and he summons the Nomus, or he asks Kurogiri to. Yes. Kurogiri can't do it. Like, he, he has no idea why the Nomus aren't where they're supposed to be. And then it's awesome, because Edshot comes in and, like, paralyzes them, like, sends some sort of spike through them. And I don't know. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, so the first thing, it, it, this is a pretty interesting scene where Shigaraki grows more and more desperate because he's like, all right, uh, he, he, he uses some video game terminology here. He says something like, you know, all of this planning and you come to me, you last boss or the final boss shows up on your doorstep, some such like this. Uh, so he calls for Kurogiri to warp in the Nomus, but Kurogiri is just like, uh, I can't find them. Like, whatever, wherever they're supposed to be, they're not where they're supposed to be. They're not there. Um, so then he's like, all right, well, let's talk about, you know, other other options here. And you get the sense that he's about to ask Shigaraki to warp them all out of, out of there. Or uh, Kurogiri, rather. And that's when Edshot just pierces through his body. And, okay, let's talk about Edshot's quirk, too. Because this might be yeah. my new scariest quirk in the entire show. 
I didn't look it up, and it didn't really introduce it at all. So I'm guessing you found it on the wiki. I thought that there was a like a splash page of it earlier, where um, like when he was first introduced, that there says might have been. it says his quirk is fold a body. He can stretch his body paper thin, and so I guess he's like origami man kind of. That's really creepy. And so he blasts into Kurogiri's body. And he comes out, and he and Kurogiri is like knocked out. And he comes out and says something like, "I just played around with his insides. He isn't dead." And he calls it the Ninpo One Thousand Sheet Pierce. And I'm like, that guy. Not only was he inside Kurogiri somehow and like manipulated his guts, but his his quirk is basically the thing that all human beings fear most, and that's paper cuts. Like super bad paper cuts. Internal paper cuts. Think about that for a second. Internal. Inside. So as soon as he came out of Kirogiri, I was like, I never want to be on that guy's bad side. I would rather take uh, the one for all, like, full power right in my face than get paper cuts all over my guts. <laughs> that's, a pretty, that's pretty exaggerated, man. New scariest quirk, though. I'm dead serious. I His quirk is frightening to me. But he is effective. I mean, he does take uh, the warper out of the uh, out of the situation here. Um, definitely, yeah, he definitely does. And once the warper is out of the situation, I think this is when Shigaraki really realizes that like there's just no coming back from this. You know, I, I mean, he's standing there and he's freaking out. Uh, and it's great because Spinner is off to the side and he's talking about how All Might's the best and whatnot. Uh, and then this is when Shigaraki is kind of freaking out and say, like screaming at All Might and saying that he's the reason people have ridiculous ideals and it's because of him that all this is going on. And of course, like placing all this blame on All Might. And then this is when all of a sudden, like these sludge nomus just come out and start attacking everybody. And then a sludge weird thing like grabs Bakugo and All Might can't get him. So he disappears. I mean, it's it gets pretty nuts. Yeah, it's strange because the sludge stuff starts like manifesting in midair, but when it starts to remove Bakugo and the other members of the Vanguard squad or whatever they were called, um, it starts emitting from inside of their mouths. Yeah, so they start really like vomiting gross. this stuff up that whisks them off, and I was like, "Oh, that's so gross." Yeah, like I can't even imagine. It's just disgusting. And this is when Kamui starts to freak out. And he turns around to call for some aid from Endeavor, but when he looks down at the street level, uh, there are Nomus all over down there, too. Like, they're everywhere. Yeah, and I felt really bad for Kamui, too, because, I mean, the first thing he does is start apologizing. He's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I let go of him. Like, And I think it's All Might or Gran Torino that tells him, like, you had nothing to do with this. Please don't worry. Uh, but that's just kind of one of those moments where you can tell that Kamui's still, I mean, he may be a pro, but he's still like a pro amateur compared to All Might and some of these other folks. You know what I mean? Like not even apologizing, just ready to hit the next thing on the on the options there. Yes. And I think that's all of the scenes at the bar for this episode anyway. We're going to return there, I think, at the top of episode 48 to move on. Absolutely. Um, so do you want to go over to the Nomu Warehouse then? Definitely. Let's go ahead and talk about what's going on over there. Uh, Midoriya and company are trying to investigate the warehouse, and they've actually noticed 
that there isn't any signs of anybody having been there. Like, the power's not turned on. I think it's Midoriya that makes the mention that the grass under the front door hasn't been moved. There's no indentations or anything, so he can tell the door hasn't been opened in forever. And my first thought is is that, obviously, they've got Kurogiri probably warping them in and out. So they've probably never even been outside of this building. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I think in the, in the subtitled, he says, he notes that there are weeds in front of the door, but then he says, but that could just be because of some cork use. And, yeah. You know, could have been, he was thinking specifically of Kurogiri being able to bypass doors, or maybe he thought somebody's poor quirk was that they could make dandelions grow and that's it. Um, and <laughs> use that to cover their tracks all the time. Yeah, I, I think he's a little bit smarter than that. I'm not I'm not too sure. But I mean, I would hope so, but... Yeah, you know. especially since he's encountered Kurigiri, you know? Right, right. So they, well, they decide that they've got to find another way in, and they, they find this, like, tiny little narrow alleyway uh, and start to sneak around the back to see if they can find other means of ingress into this building. Absolutely. And they, they end up behind the building, I guess, and they're trying to look in through basically one of the windows and there's kind of a weird scene here where you know uh, momu is starting to create like night vision goggles it looks like or like night binoculars or something momo and Kirish, huh you called her momu <laughs> you're talking momu. about momus <laughs> and you said yeah. momu. it's all starting to starting to blend together yeah uh but momo is wanting to create one of these things and kirishima's like no nah, don't worry about it i bought one and there's a weird moment here i was going to ask you if you thought it was strange where midori is like but those are really expensive and he's like okay like, Kirishima doesn't care, and, and Midoriya just won't give it up. He's like, no, but those are really expensive. How did you get one of those? As if Kirishima just doesn't have money or something? I don't know. I felt like it was just a weird scene. I thought that maybe what had happened was Kirishima thought that perhaps he could talk Momo into giving him the transmitter or the receiver, technically, but possibly wouldn't have her along, and so he was just gearing up in the event that he wouldn't have a walking, you know, gear factory beside him. That's yeah. kind of what I thought that he was just going to be like, listen, regardless of who comes with me, I'm, I'm, I'm do I'm getting what I need to, to do this on my own. If I have to, that makes sense. I don't know. I just, the whole thing seemed kind of weird to me. I, that, that moment was just odd that Midoriya, like, you know, you're about to go infiltrate this factory and you're hung up on the fact that your teammate brought a very useful item regardless of its expense. Yeah, they did linger weird. on it for an odd amount of time. So that's kinda why like I was like... we why? are right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, that's kind of why I was just like, all right, why are we why are we talking about this for so long, like in the yeah. show? So I was like, maybe yeah. maybe this is them. Because they, they do this a lot in these two episodes. They really highlight um, Kirishima's, I mean, brotherly love for Bakugo, uh, you know, his, his deep care for this guy. And so this is kind of a way of saying no matter the cost, including, you know, money out of my pocket, possibly. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great, great way of seeing it. it. It's really freaky because they stand up on each other's like shoulders to get an eye, like bird's eye view into this building. And the first thing he sees is the building's destroyed. And in the corner, there are all these no moves. And then, of course, Midoriya sees it. And he's freaking out. And they look over to the right. And it's, it's weird because out of nowhere, there's like this truck up in the middle of the air. And it's actually like a slipper for Mount Lady who just slams it down onto the warehouse and like completely just devastates this place. Yeah, she puts the she steps on the truck so that it's yeah, like you said, it's a slipper and just creates an opening. I, I guess I guess, you know, a layer of protection between her and the concrete building she's trying to smash. 
It was just weird that, like, I wonder if she bought that truck or if it was provided for her or if it was just a random truck already there. Yeah, that she just (laughs) wrecked somebody's work truck. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like in the real world, she would have, like, probably some sort of sponsorship by, like, Ford or or GMC or something to have, like, trucks that she uses, like, uh, like skating uh, rinks or not skating rinks, but, uh, like, rollerblades. Yeah, yeah. That would be funny just to see her skating around the city right. with trucks on her feet. And so this is the reason why the Nomus were not able to warp over to Kuragiri is because she's destroyed all of them. And we kind of see this quick moment where there's all the pro heroes, you know, best genus is there. Uh, Tiger has gone and, and found Ragdoll. And they've gotten a bunch of the Nomus already taken care of as far as we can tell. So I have no idea where the sludge Nomus came from. They must be making them in that factory and then storing them elsewhere. Yeah, and to be clear, she didn't destroy any Nomus, but they did restrain all of them and remove them right. from their little vats. Yeah, she um, just destroyed the warehouse, as far as I could tell. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, Best Genus has got a bunch bound, um, and Mount Lady has one in her hand, and she's, like, cringing at it because it's super gross. Right. I think even uh, Gang Orca has a couple wrapped up somehow, maybe just in his hands. Um and poor Tiger is holding Ragdoll, and she's, like, totally unconscious. Or, or maybe she's conscious, but she's just not there. Like, her eyes are, are like, glassed over. Uh, so she's not waking up, and which looks pretty bleak. And the kids are all like, well, okay, the pro heroes are here. And, you know, we heard that All Might's at the other scene, so I guess they got it. It's time to go. And, of course, you know, they're starting to walk away. And right as they do, Midoriya looks back because there's this guy, like, emerging from this darkness. And all of the pro heroes, for the most part, are, like, set on edge. The moment this guy shows up, Best Genus is like, oh, crap, what are we about to walk into? And there's actually a moment where he ties up this guy. And, obviously, we know that it's all for one. Right. And he, so he, he uses his quirk to tie this guy up. And... Mountain Lady gets onto him and she's like, you know, you can't, you can't do that. You don't know who he is. And he's like, listen, any second hesitation here could cause all of us a lot of peril. Like you definitely need to be paying a lot more attention. I think he kind of chastises her a few times during this scene where, you know, she makes mention that this was too easy of a, of a mission. And he says something about like the priority takes place over or importance takes place over fun or something like that. Right. And is this where all for one explains he he kind of apologizes to tiger he's like her quirk was too good so i took it and so i wonder if her current state is the aftermath of your quirk being stripped from your body because it is genetic like i can imagine somehow that being removed would mess you up pretty good so i wonder if she's that there is no there is no more there's no restoring ragdoll possibly i mean she's in a she's in a bad shape if it's part of your genetic makeup, I mean, I guess like I couldn't just pull some of your genes out and you'd be okay. Right. And just to remind the, ourselves and the listening audience, hers was the one where she could monitor a hundred people at a time, like see them. Remember, cause I made the joke about, I, well, I can see a hundred people too. Um, but right. she can, she can monitor them and she knows where they are and what their weak points are. And so now all for one has that quirk in his yeah. arsenal. And it really frustrates me, too, because they I felt like they put kind of emphasis on letting us know Ragdoll's quirk in the last story arc. We know that All for One has it, and yet we've got these four kids off to the side. We've got Ida. Is it five kids? Ida, Momo, Kirishima, Midoriya, and yeah. Todoroki. It's five kids. I think I forgot Ida earlier. And he doesn't appear to ever know they're there. And I find that to be a huge plot hole in these two episodes. Unless we don't understand how Ragdoll's quirk works. Like, maybe she has to have seen them first. But fact of the matter is, they're just one wall apart. 
So I feel like he should know that they're there. Yeah, I would guess he would have to see him first, or it could just be that he knew Midoriya was nearby and wanted him to bear witness to something. I think either one of those things could make some sense, depending on your perspective on it. Yeah. Um, but he did seem genuinely surprised. Well, I don't know. It's hard to read his face because it's in, it's shrouded. Yeah, so. it's he's wearing like a weird Donnie Darko like uh, rabbit mask that I guess is some sort of respirator. Yeah, I would think that if he knew that they were there, that he would have told uh, Shigaraki and the rest of the villains. Because I thought so too. Yeah, because that would have given them a little bit of heads up and destroyed the element of surprise that they needed to pull the move that they do in episode forty-eight. Right. So, like, I will go ahead and preface. We're about to move on to 48. 48 is great. I really, really liked 48. But I feel like him having Ragdoll's quirk is the glaring plot hole in this entire episode. Or he just hasn't used it in a way that we've been made aware of. I mean, because it does. Now, when All Might shows up on the scene in just a second, he does, like, say something like, so you're here now before he's visible, possibly like he had this other extra sensory awareness of all might. So maybe he was using it then. Yeah. And like I said, maybe he has to have seen them first Yeah, Uh, because if he's never seen them and they're behind that wall, that just seems awfully convenient. I don't know. The one last thing that does happen in 47 that we haven't quite covered whenever we were at the league of villains hideout, whenever all of the weird like sludge no moves start showing up, we do get a quick backup scene. We do get a quick background scene here where it seems like All for One is talking to Shigaraki, and he's found him, and he's like this poor, parentless boy, and it looks like he's like bleeding in the face, and he just says, don't worry, I'm here for you, and he like picks him up, and then that's when all these sludge new moves start coming from, and and so you can kind of start seeing the seeds of this All for One Shigaraki team-up happening like forever ago. Yes, we get a couple of different glimpses back in... Uh, into Shigaraki's past. And actually, before we started recording, I mentioned that a certain name didn't come up, Adam, but it does come up in the manga. I'm looking at it right now. It just came up way earlier than it did in the anime. So we'll talk about that name and when it came up um, shortly. Uh, But yes, back to kind of the final climactic thing that happens in episode 47 is All for One lets out this gigantic explosion right in the face of the gathered pro heroes and that's kind of where we leave it is this scene of devastation. And this this explosion is huge. Like it levels multiple city blocks kind of thing. Uh, just leaves yeah. this giant swath of destruction in front of him. And the pro heroes are just lying in the dust and it freezes it. I mean, it shakes the students to the core and for uh, not for no reason. And this is where we're going to transition to episode 48. We, we end that episode. Thank the Lord we had one more to watch for our episodes. Um, <laughs> because if we just ended with all for one just wrecking face on all those pro heroes and the students being there by themselves, that would have been quite the cliffhanger. No joke. Like, if we had just left off of 47, I would have assumed everybody was dead. Uh, and I, before we move on, I do want to make a quick mention or ask you a question real quick. So af- after... This episode did another one of those things where it pulled the like after credit scene. So it, you know, rolls credits and then there's like three minutes of more episode that wasn't at the beginning of 48. And it's this scene with Midoriya where he is Kevin having these flashbacks of promising All Might that he would fight all for one. And he's looking at all for one up in the air and he's talking to himself like, oh, please don't tell me that this is him. And I'm just curious, like, Midoriya's in a weird spot, right? Because whenever he promised All Might that he would fight All for One, and he said it so willingly, like, yeah, they're not a problem. I'll help you out. Of course I'll do that, right? Like, that's I'm a hero. I want to be a hero. That's what I'll do. Well, bef- when that happened, 
he had just got done fighting Hero Killer Stain. He had just proven that he could take down a villain to some extent. You know, he needed help, but he's doing great. Then he goes to this campsite where Muscular, like, totally destroys him and shows him his quirk is nothing compared to the wrong person. And now he sees All for One in action, and it's like, holy cow, like, how could he even sit there and think that at any point in time he's going to be able to fight this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah, he definitely has some reason to be quaking in his in his boots at this point. Yeah. And All for One is quite an imposing figure. So um, we, we begin episode 48 with uh, a return to the the secret bar of the League of Villains. We do not stay there very, very long, though. Everybody on the scene is starting to get warped out. That is uh, at, at all connected with the, the bad guys. Bakugo's already gone. You start to see the black goo emanate out of all of the rest of them that were um, restrained by Kamui. And the Nomus start attacking All Might. He flings them all off. And he has this really funny conversation with Endeavor where uh, All Might goes to the window and he's basically like, hey man, can you can you take care of this for me? Because <laughs> he's totally yeah. planning on checking out uh, and Endeavor takes issue. He's like, doesn't it, does it look like I can? Like, do you need glasses in your, your old age? Uh, so of course, Endeavor's taking issue with it. That's funny because in the English version, it's just a little different. He like throws a bunch of Nomu out of the building and then he shows up like in a crack in the building and Endeavor's blasting all these Nomus with his fire and All Might's like, hey, you keeping up down there? Like, kind of poking <laughs> fun at him, you know? And he's like, mind your own business, old man. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, too, because the Nomus apparently are bulletproof, but they can just be set on fire, and that's enough. Yeah, yeah. It seems kind of weird that, that they weird. are bulletproof, but fire is pretty powerful. True. Uh, but, it, I mean, even in this case, it's working down Endeavor's powers, because he makes a mention here, talking to Sukoichi, like, oh, my God, there's more of them? Like, where are they coming from? And then he's like, look, this is really wearing down my powers. So I thought that was, uh, or I think he says it's putting a lot of stress on his quirk is how he words it. Yeah, but All Might makes it clear that he's leaving Endeavor in charge here. He's got to go, and so he takes off. And we return now to the scene that we're going to stay on for the rest of this episode back at this warehouse that's been leveled. And uh, Best Genist, it turns out, right before All for One's explosion hit him and the rest of the pro heroes used everyone's costumes to kind of try to pull them off to the side of this thing. It's not as if they took no damage. It is very much not the case that they took no damage. Oh, no, they're pretty messed up, but they're alive. And I think that's at the moment, that's the point. You know, like he was able to get them out of there at the very last second. Yeah. And he actually gets some kudos from All for One for that particular uh, that particular move. He's like, hey, man, this is this is what I would expect to see from the number four hero. Yeah, but then he kind of immediately disses him because he blows a hole in his chest and, and then he, like, I guess investigates his quirk and says, ah, oh, well, you don't really have a powerful quirk. Like, there's no raw power here. It's just that you've practiced it a bunch, so you're pretty much just worthless for me. Yeah, and then he says this, which is an interesting line. He says, I don't need your quirk. It doesn't fit Tomura's disposition. Tomura being Shikaraki. Yeah, so I guess this is where you and I have already kind of mentioned this to each other. I start to think that that means he's eventually going to be handing down his powers, including the all-for-one power, to Shigaraki. He is at least planning on handing down some powers to him. I don't know if there's going to be any discernment or if he's just going to transfer it all wholesale, um, but I do think that there is going to be some exchange between all-for-one and Shigaraki once, I guess, maybe Shigaraki matures and improves himself because even even in this episode all for one you know tells 
Shigaraki, he's like, hey, like you, you failed. I mean, he's very honest about it. He's like, hey, pick yourself up, do it again. That's what I'm here for. But um, Shigaraki yeah, he hasn't actually, arrived at whatever precipice he wants him to be at in order, I guess, for this exchange to take place. Definitely. And he, he actually uses some really like interesting gaming technology almost to, to level with Shigaraki. Like he tells him, you know, you can start over as many times as you want. Yeah. Like he's so, the way he talks to him is just so interesting because I really expected All for One to be more like Shigaraki, like just this erratic, like anxious, kind of almost like, you know, mental patient, right? And he's just this really calm and cool, collected, like he talks to him like he's trying to really coach him up, which I mean, we know he's trying to do. I just, I kind of expected him to be more maniacal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he also, in the manga, at least, he refers to Bakugo as if it isn't part of All for One's plan that Bakugo be a part of the League of Villains after all. And That's I, interesting, because in the show, he makes it seem like it, he's one... I think he even refers to him as one of Shigaraki's main playing board pieces. Yeah, in the manga, he says, you know, I, I brought along your little band and the boy because you determined that he's an important pawn. As if, like, right. well, I might not have been behind this, but you decided and I'm behind you, so... That that it was just an odd phrasing, I, I think. But he does say, like, he's just like, listen, everything that I do, it's it's for you. Um, this is all for one talking to Shigaraki. That is right. And as all of this is happening, as he's talking to Shigaraki, the kids are. And when I say the kids, I mean the five students that were going to the Nomu factory. They were all standing off to the side, and they actually hear all of the villains warp in along with Bakugo because they hear him coughing, like trying to get that sludge out of his throat. And that's when this conversation between Shigaraki and All for One really starts. And this is, uh, in my notes, again, I marked down, like, how does All for One not see the students off to the side? You know, they're, they seem like they should, Ragdoll's quirk should give him the ability to see them, but whatever. This is when Midoriya, obviously, is trying to formulate a plan. Like, he sees Bakugo, he knows all the villains are there, but he doesn't care. Like, he's there to save his friend. That's what they were originally going there for anyways. And so he's frantically trying to come up with something. And all of a sudden, Ida stops him and Todoroki. I don't know if you noticed, but he was holding yeah, Todoroki. Yeah, I did notice that. Well. Yeah, so he knew. He was like, all right, these guys are going to do something. Like, he didn't even have to hesitate. Uh, Momo is looks like she's about to throw up, and Kirishima has not closed his mouth. Like, he's just, I mean, he almost looks like a caricature of himself. He looks so freaked out. And this is when All Might shows up out of nowhere. You know, he comes flying in. And even all for one sees him coming beforehand and is like, oh, so he's here, you know, and and this is just when everything goes crazy. Yeah. And on upon arrival, All Might comes in with a fist aimed right at all for one's face and all for one takes it. I mean, just catches him fist in fist. And is just casually talking to him while the world around them explodes from the force. He's just like, oh, what took you so long? You know, the the warehouse is only like five kilometers from here and it took you 30 seconds. You must have really lost a step. I mean, he's he just absorbed a blow from what we are told is the strongest uh, hero around and is just like having small talk with him in the middle of this. So he seems completely yeah. unfazed by All Might's presence, which is crazy well, because last time they were in the same place, he got his face pulverized into the pavement by the same guy who's now standing before him. So, man, I mean, I was like, dang, that's crazy. It was crazy. And it's kind of funny, too, because not only is is All for One chastising All Might, but even All Might is like, you know, who are you to call me weak? You're wearing a, a like a gas mask. Like he's got some sort of device on his face that uh, for what we can tell is keeping him alive, I guess. Uh, so even All Might's kind of throwing punches back at him. And 
when Bakugo sees him take that full punch from All Might, he's like, holy cow, what is this guy? Uh, and this is another great scene where All Might is like jumping up and down, chastising yeah. all for one. And it just it was felt like such a Goku moment. Yeah, you know I had mean? the same note. It's it's like Goku where he's like kind of springing around and starts doing his like uh, his lunge stretches and yeah. all that stuff. That's exactly yeah. what I have down here too. I want to talk about Bakugo's revelation here because he's lying in the dirt and he he sees this punch come in, and he's just like. He's got to be the villain's boss. And I'm like, man, you are so late to the party, pal. Like, <laughs> how did it take you this long to figure something out like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is when All Might rears back to throw another punch at All for One. But All for One activates a bunch of quirks. And when I say a bunch, he, he activates an air cannon plus, spring limbs, kinetic booster, and strength enhanced combo. Like all the, and he's listing them off. It's only, I mean, it's an anime, right? So he's got to right. say them. For he's got to say it for it to work. Whenever All Might's punch connects, it like sends him flying halfway across the city. Uh, and even Bakugo for a second is like, oh no, we've already lost him. And All for One is like, no, nah, it's going to take a lot more for, than that to kill him. Uh, and then this is when he uses another quirk that is, I, I didn't catch the name of it, but it's called like Force Quirk, where he, these like weird tendrils come out of his hands and he like stabs another quirk person and forces their quirk to activate, yep. regardless if they're conscious or not. Right. Very cool. That's a creepy quirk, man. Yep, he uses it twice here. Um, I did want to point out, too, and get your opinion on something. Uh, so when All Might goes to punch All for One, he says that he's going he's gonna to put him back into prison. And I started like... I didn't say that in English. Uh, I mean, he says it in the manga, too. This time I'm smashing you into a prison cell. And I'm like, why? Why would you put him in prison? Why is that the... This guy oh, needs no. to go. Yeah, no, in the English version, he's full on like, I'm going to kill you. Like, he doesn't say that, but you can tell he's putting him down for good. He doesn't say anything about, in fact, I think he says, I'm going to put you down for good this time yeah. and do what I should have last time. Man, this, I, gosh, I hope he learned his lesson. This guy can't go, just go to jail. How no, would you even hold somebody like this? You wouldn't. I mean, that's the reason he tried to kill him last time. Yeah, that's nuts. That seems like they, they seems like they tried to like, kind of, uh play that one down for, for the, the sub and the manga. Maybe. Well, he forcibly activates Kurogiri's quirk and orders everybody um, with Shigaraki to get out of here. Britain, take Bakugo with him. Um, of course, uh, Shigaraki is a little hesitant. All Might comes back on the scene and he sees, you know, his, his mentor in what could be another fight for his very life um, with with all might. So he's, he's a little hesitant, even though like Mr. Compress is like, Hey, it's time to go. He turns Dobby into a bead. Uh, yeah. Dobby's still unconscious from Gran Torino. You know, there's a scene here that I want to point out too. Magnea actually says something to all for one, like, Hey, you brought us here. Why don't you transport us out of here? Like mm -hmm. Gary's totally knocked out. So maybe, you know, this is something I'm about to say that might kind of change my opinion about the ragdoll quirk. But he makes the mention that he still has to practice with that transportation quirk, that he's not quite sure how it how it works yet. And he just got ragdolls, so maybe it's just that, that that's why he doesn't see the kids. Maybe he yeah. just doesn't know how it works all the way. Like he's got to, uh, what's the term in D&D? &D? You have to... You have to level up? No, no. It's, it's like you have to sit with a magic item for, you know, for 24 oh, hours. Uh, what's that term again? It's not acclimate. Bolstered? No, it's, uh, it's not resonate. Ah, whatever. It'll come to me Resonance, eventually. Resonance was Pathfinder 2.0. Yeah. Until they got rid of Which it. Which is a similar, it was similar in concept. A tune. That's the word. A tune. A tune. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's yeah, what's maybe going so. on here. Hmm. 
Hmm, that's interesting. And I hadn't thought of that until literally just now. Because up until this moment, I've been like, well, that's the biggest bullshit I've ever seen. But just now, I was like, eh, well, maybe he has to warm up to it or something. Yeah, so they they are talking out loud of like, hey, grab Bakugo and get out of here. And this is when the students, like particularly uh, Midoriya, is watching all this stuff go down. He's noticing that All Might is kind of having to hold back because of Bakugo being there. Bakugo's in a six-on-one uh, you know, he's he's at a particularly at a disadvantage. And he's oh, it's so creepy, too. There's a second where All Might goes in to save Bakugo and uh, All for One stops him with those weird tendrils and just says, I don't think so. I am here. Right. And him saying that is like, oh, it like makes my blood boil. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, that's his line. You take it yeah, back. Like you can't. You can't say that. You keep those words out of your mouth, you dirty bastard. Um, exactly. <laughs> so Bakugo, or excuse me, Midoriya is trying to sort out um, what they're going to do, and he, he's like, he's looking for this opening. He's like, I need an opening, and I, I need an opening, and he finally he thinks he has a plan in mind, and he kind of starts talking with the students. And in the anime, it's really funny the order that it takes place in because all he does in the anime is he like looks at, he's like, all right, I got this plan, um, but he doesn't tell. He doesn't tell the plan. They just do it. Because in the anime, it's like, this is my plan, and they never tell it. They only show it, which is just how oh, really? yeah, okay. how that works. But um, he looks at Kirishima before they begin to execute this thing. Um, and he's like, all right, you're, you're going to be the linchpin in this. It's going to have to be you that does this thing. And I, f- I have in my notes, I told Adam that I had a lifetime movie joke in my notes. It's right here because I was like, of course, Kirishima is going to be the linchpin in the attempt to save Bakugo. This is beginning to feel like a friggin' <laughs> lifetime movie between the two of them. Yeah, it totally does. It's like they have their own little sitcom. Yeah, it does make sense. I'm not bashing the, the sensibility or the logic. Midoriya's got sound reasoning for why it is that only uh, Kirishima can do what Kirishima does. But I was just like, ugh. Like at the same time, it's still, it, it's just like, it's adding fuel to this fire, you know, this, this shipping fire. And it's just, uh, it just keeps on coming. Yeah. And I mean, I can, at least now I can kind of see where they're coming from. I, like, I don't buy into it, obviously, but the, I love Bakugo and Kirishima's friendship. Like they're brothers. Yeah. They're man. great. They're great. It's yeah. just, it's just uh, that some people don't uh, stop that relationship at friendship. That's all. Yeah, whatever. People do hey, what they want. People to people do what they want to, man. And yeah, and they're yeah. I, hey, you know what? They're part of the same fandom we are, so uh, we'd be happy to talk uh, talk with any of y'all. Yeah, definitely. So Bakugo, uh, dang it, I keep saying Bakugo. Midoriya, Midoriya is he says he's got this plan, but he has to give it. He has to get it signed off uh, on by Ida, the class rep, who does because the, he's the class dad. Yeah, because he's like, <laughs> listen, we're not gonna fight. And Ida's like, all right, then. Like, basically, it's just like, all right, let's do this thing. And the plan is quite amazing. And it's realized yeah. amazingly. So why don't you, uh, why don't you walk us through what, they, what their plan is and how it works out? Definitely. So he is going to use Ida's full reciproco and his full cowling mixed with Kirishima's hardness and Todoroki using, like, this giant ice sphere to basically launch themselves using the ice sphere as, a, as kind of like a ramp so high into the air that none of the villains would even hope to get close to it. And like you mentioned earlier, in the anime, they're just doing this. It's not like they explain it and then it happens. Like they, As he's explaining it, it's happening. So they're launched way up into the air, and at they, once they reach like their highest point, Kirishima reaches his hand out and is like, come on, and screaming at Bakugo. And Bakugo says something like, you bastards, and like just skyrockets into the air. I mean, he just has a full blast 
grabs Kirishima's hand, and they're off. And the moment that Todoroki and Momo see it, they escape as well. I mean, it was just a beautiful moment, man. Like, you could tell that there was so much thought put into this plan, and there's so much, like, brotherly love and, and proud, like, just pride between all of them to be able to get out of this situation the way they did. It was just freaking cool. Yeah, and the scene where Bakugo blasts off is beautifully animated oh, it's so in well the show. Done. It's it, yeah. it doesn't, the, the manga doesn't come close to doing that. Uh, that movement of his justice in the uh, in the panels it's it is it doesn't it is so cool looking in the show when he blasts off and grabs a hold of Kirishima's hand so so I don't know have you ever seen I, I know I've seen them for some of the older animes where you can buy like the actual prints that they used for the show like the yeah, original cells and stuff like that yeah exactly I would love one of those uh, from my hero when Bakio is blasting off like that like it was just such a cool looking cell I mean, it looked awesome yeah it was great and of course as soon as he gets up there he and Ida start uh, arguing with one another about who's gonna help uh, <laughs> yeah. propel them further which is just great it is funny uh, and Magne actually tries to get them back. Like he uses his powers and that we get this quick breakdown where it explains that like magnets don't affect him, but he can polarize anybody and males get, I think it was positive and females get negative. So that way they attract to each other, I guess. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, yeah. Po- different polarities. Boys get s- Southern polarity and girls get Northern. And so he, okay. he gives, Mr. Compress and Spinner the same polarity which causes uh, Mr. Compress to shoot off to fly off because uh, Magne is still holding on to Spinner and he goes flying off I thought that they were going to get caught up too like this was a second where I was like oh man Magne's totally got this thought out and then Mount Lady comes out of nowhere and Mr. Compress slams right into her face it was great it was. It caught me so off guard. It was really funny, too. And she just takes it, I mean, full on square between the eyes and just yeah. immediately topples over. And she's just like, and get she, the hell out of here, kids. Yeah, she's like, get out of here, you stupid you kids. You dumb kids. Oh, it's great. This was such a great scene. Like the last 10 minutes of this episode, I was on the edge of my seat the whole freaking time. Yeah, because then like immediately there's no, there's, the, the action is constant in this uh, the, these last few minutes of this episode because Gran Torino comes on the scene and he like knocks out all of the other Vanguard Action Squad members. Uh, I think the only one standing left at the end is Shigaraki, Shigaraki. Toga. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Toga is like standing in front of Kurogiri's portal like she's ready to get out of there. Um, yeah, she's freaking out because I think she even tells Shigaraki, she's like, look, I don't want to die today. Yeah. Uh, so now you've got Gran Torino and All Might, both of whom have experience with All for One on the scene. And All for One is trying to get the the Vanguard Action Squad and Shigaraki out of there. So he does that forcible quirk thing on Magne and then sends all of the male heroes, or the the male villains rather, flying at Toga, who, like I said, is standing in front of that portal and knocks everybody in twice. Mr. Compress, Shigaraki, Spinner, they all go flying. Not Magne, um, because his powers don't work on him. Um, All for One has to like stab him with his weird finger tendril things and throw him. And like throw them. Did you actually, there was a moment with twice that I thought was really funny. And it was in episode 47 when Kume has them all wrapped up. And uh, so he, he like gets him under Kumui. Kumui, (laughs) Kume. There's a scene in episode 47 with twice that I really love because uh, Kamui actually gets him all wrapped up. And I guess he's like kind of squeezing that wood around his body too tight. And so twice says something like, oh man, you're squeezing way too tight. Do it harder. (laughs) I just thought it was funny. Like, he seems like such an odd character. Well, Shigaraki is still not wanting to go. um, And he protests his way all the way through this portal. And he's shouting, like, I'm not ready. 
uh, as he disappears. And he says something about all for one's body, like uh, at least he it's does in the manga or something. Yeah, yeah. In the in the anime, he says something about like your body's too damaged to fight right now. Yeah. Like, you're still healing or something like that. It's got strange emphasis in the manga. It's like with that body, with, like, bold, as if maybe he can transfer bodies? Like, is that something that maybe. he's planning on doing with Shigaraki? I, maybe. I don't know. You know, if he does, I could totally see him using Shigaraki, prepping him to become this, like, respectful leader just to transfer his consciousness into that body so that way he could do whatever he wanted mm. and already have the leg up, you know? Yeah, it's strange. So before we get too far into this, I just want to mention real quick, when Gran Torino shows up on the scene, there's a second where All for One m makes a mention of, like, oh, Shimura, Shimura's friend is here. And I think we know at this point that Shimura is the seventh holder of One for All. Mm -hmm. So that scene has been set up. Whenever Shigaraki is trying to stay on the field and All for One is basically pushing him, forcing him through this portal, we get this second where he calls Shigaraki something else. I think he calls him Tenko Shimura. Yep, he does. So, Tenko Shimura. I mean, I, like, I actually had to pause the show, and in my notes I was like, I think he just mentioned Shimura's name again. Like, Didn't he just say that about Gran Torino? Which just sent me down this rabbit hole of like, okay, so does that mean Shigaraki is Shimura's son i think so so i don't know we're going to continue on though uh so shigaraki ends up through the warp portal yet again uh <laughs> redundant but he ends up through the portal and all might and all for one are now able to just totally duke it out yeah and so all might is he's able to he's he's no longer feeling like he has to hold anything back and he knows he's running short on time so he just goes into full frontal assault mode, basically, and jumps at uh, All for One, who uses a combination of quirks again. One of them's a warping, that same like black goo warp, and then one that he calls shock inversion. So he warps mm -hmm. Gran Torino in front of All Might's punch, and be the shock inversion causes all of the effort and, and momentum and power that that was channeling through all might's fist to channel back into it. So it sends like, it's really cool scene. Like it rips up the sleeve up that arm on all might's punch and sends him like spinning and flying away. And Gran Torino's and it, like knocked out. And it looks like his arm is totally messed up from like the, the repercussion. Right. So, um, he gets up and I mean, he, this doesn't slow him down all that much. He gets right back up and it's just like, I'm coming again and comes in and Detroit smashes. And this is when, all for one just starts kind of not not picking on all might but just kind of talking to and about all might and kind of around him and he's like it's really weird yeah it is kind of strange because he's like he says something like you know you you know you, your punches have taken all of these allies of mine and they called you the symbol of peace and you stood atop on a, all of our sacrifices, the villains, I guess, and is calling him like high and mighty pretty much. And All Might begins just with this vocal re rebuttal. And he's like, shut up. And then he just is verbally lashing all for one. He's like, all you do is toy with people in their lives. You break them, you steal from them, you take advantage of them. And he runs in and grabs a hold of All for One's arm. And All for One doesn't have a defense against this at this point. He takes a punch straight to the face. Yeah, like it breaks through that respirator and everything. And this is where we get the, a really crazy scene. Um, it's kind of a frightening scene because as, as All Might lands this punch, you see his fist like shatter this thing over All for One's face. There's a neat but really frightening scene where All Might's face is like half Gene Cogene's All Might. Uh, and the other half is All Might, All Might, like, you know, with an eyebrow and stuff. And 
it's it's clear that his he's out of gas. So if all for one has anything left, then all might's in a pretty tight spot of trouble. Yeah, and not only does all for one have a lot left, but I don't think he's been injured at all because he pretty much immediately stands up and is ready to go. And, and this is when, you know, All Might is looking pretty bad. Like, he's smoking. He's starting to turn into that Jinko jeans All Might. And All for One looks like he's about to take him out, man. And this is where All for One closes out this episode with uh, a little bit more revelation for us um, because he says, you're getting awfully emotional, aren't you? And I seem to remember hearing that exact line once before. This this I can't forgive you line, I think, is the one that he was referring to. Um, and he says, from the previous person to have the one for all, Nana Shimura, which is the last name that we heard only moments before, um, applied to Shigaraki. Yeah, and I don't. Did we know that the seventh wielder of uh, All for One was a female? I don't. I don't think so. But there I was felt no like it reason was a shocking. To- there was no reason to think it wasn't, yeah. but it was just kind of a weird revelation for me. I wasn't expecting that. True. Uh, and not only that, but I definitely wasn't expecting the seventh wielder of all for one of one for all to have been the the mother of Shigaraki for sure. Yeah. So this this is this informs a lot. I, I think it gives us a lot to talk about too. I mean, if uh, you know, all for one killed Nana Shimura. And I, you know, I think the only other time that we even talked about what might have happened to Shigaraki as a kid, I'd mentioned what if his quirk manifested at a really, at a time where he was just mad at his parents for whatever reason and just accidentally killed them all in a, you know, a moment of heated passion. Um, we get a slightly different story there. Doesn't they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, um, but the question now becomes like if All for One killed Nana Shimura, what's he doing with? her son like what reason is there for that and you know i I wonder i wonder what what else we're going to find out about their their relationship and well and even better yet like what about the relationship between all might and shigaraki because all might has to have like he has to know who shigaraki is you know what i mean like wasn't he great friends with the seventh wielder i i think that they they had to have been because he he didn't just like wake up one morning with the one for all. So no. he uh, he had to have had some sort of respectable relationship with Nana Shimura, which means that and, he, in, for all in all likelihood, knew who Shigaraki was, knew him probably as Tenko Shimura. Yeah, maybe he thinks Tenko Shimura is dead or something. I don't know. I've got a lot of weird theories running around in my head here. After after this episode, I, I wrote a couple of them down. Um, so my first thing is, is like, whenever we see, uh, Nana Shimura, she's wearing a cape that looks just like Gran Torino's. So my first thought was like, maybe it's, that's Gran Torino's wife. It would be really interesting if it was either Gran Torino's wife or maybe if that's his daughter, because I feel like it, he's too old to be her wife maybe. And if that's the case, he surely, he would know who Shigaraki is. Cause that would make him his son. I would think. Um, so maybe that's not there, but the fact that he's wearing her cape or a cape like that makes me think that maybe he's more than just a friend. You know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't get the family vibe from him so much as like possibly teammate or mentor to her too in some capacity. Maybe, but I mean, he only had his teaching license for a few years there, it seemed like. And it seemed like it was more for all, like all might than it was for her. So yeah. I don't know, but I'm also wondering if All Might was related to her somehow. Like, could this have been All Might's wife? I mean, all we know is that he was quirkless at one point in time, and he got this from her. 
But I mean, we just don't know what the relationship's like. Like, I feel like there's so many possibilities here for how All Might is is involved in this weird, you know, circle of people. Like, with All for One, Shigaraki, and Nana at this point, there is some really deep-seated weirdness going on there, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I'm wondering is like, well, I mean, I'm really struggling. Why would All for One keep the son of his greatest enemy around? And I wonder if it's like a... Because he knows, he knows how the one for all is transmitted, so he probably knew that Shimura had passed it on to All Might. Uh, I would imagine so, at least. So I wonder if he's kind of grooming Shigaraki to grow up and and c- kind of trying to do what all for one or what what the one for all owners have been doing this whole time, trying to groom somebody that's going to be strong enough to take the other side out. I wonder if he's like, I'm going to do the same thing and I'm going to do it with somebody who was initially quote unquote, maybe on your side, like very vindictive and super evil. If that's what he's doing, if he's just like, I'm going to take one of the kids of the owners of the uh, all for one or the one for all. And I'm going to give him the all for one or at least give him some pieces of it or whatever and use it to defeat the other side while your side's trying to do the same thing to me. I don't know, man. It's a pretty messed up dude if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty darn evil, but yeah, uh, it's yeah. certainly so, on the table. I've got a few more things here for you, too. Like, at this point in time, we I'm assuming Best Genius is dead. I mean, it looks like All for One just absolutely outright murdered that yep. guy. Yeah, I, I, I had the same sense. We know that Mount Lady is alive because she helped save Bakugo. So at least at the moment, she's alive. But what about the rest? I mean, they weren't there in the end scenes. We never saw them get away. Do you think any of the others are alive? Like, is Tiger and Ragdoll dead? Do you, what about the Orca guy? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, those guys don't appear to be on scene anymore. They're just gone. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure. I don't, I, I, don't think, I don't think there's a future for Ragdoll. I think whatever I All for so One either, had yeah. to do to, to strip her quirk from her, I think, that, I think that's all, all that we're going to hear about her. Um, as for the other ones, who knows? They could they could have been uh, significantly concussed enough and taken enough battle damage that, regardless of a continuing melee in their general area, that they're either not aware of it or they they are, but they're unable to do anything to extricate themselves from their positions just because of um, sustained injuries. Um, but I, I do, I think you're right. At best genus, man, he took it, he took like a shot to the stomach from some sort of like finger cannon from all for one. He's, I mean, that was like a straight up Frieza scene. Oh yeah. If he's alive, whew, I mean, I, I don't know how he could be. I mean, it, it looked to me, especially in the anime, it looked to me like he's, he's dead. He's gone. Yeah. I'm really surprised that they didn't have, uh, you know, some sort of like healer on, on with them. Like it seemed like they had a lot of fighters, but not a lot of support characters. That's true. Maybe they thought that this was going to be, uh, you know, a a kind of a... What's like in the bag situation? Yeah, like a very surgical yeah. maneuver in and out. We're, we strike hard, we well, strike guess- fast, we have the, you know, the advantage of surprise. We think we could do this and for with zero to minimal, you know, injury or casualty. Definitely. Well, we leave off in a pretty dark spot, man. I'm fairly certain we're about to see the end of All Might, dude. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I get the feeling the next episode will be the death of All Might. I wouldn't be shocked by that. It's it's gonna it's gonna kill me. I may not be able to record next week. <laughs> well, you <laughs> we'll have to. I'll uh I'll uh, mail you. Uh, I'll get Amazon to send you some tissues in in advance. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, 
I don't know how he's going to get out of this. I just don't think he's going to. I think this is a, where they're going to pull the trigger. I feel like this is the this next episode, episode 49, is going to be the one where like my hero changes from here on out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's certainly moving in a direction where the show is not going to be the same after some moment, and All Might's death might well be that moment. Yeah, and it may not even be the death of like all might himself but i think it will definitely be the death of his powers for sure like he can't push himself anymore i mean we've seen him do it over and over and over at this point if he does it again i don't think he'll have the ability to stay pumped up you know what i mean right so things are about to change in the my hero academia world yes they are uh but i think that'll pretty much wrap us up for 47s and 48 it most certainly will next episode will be 49 and 50 we're going to be through 50 episodes of this show can't believe we've come this far if i'm being completely honest but it's been fun and we we decided very early on that even if nobody listened or talked to us about this we were going to do it anyway so (laughs) yeah i'm just glad that there are some folks along with the ride yeah we're really enjoying the community guys keep talking to us twitter discord and uh you know we we we're, we're very quick to respond we really enjoy that engagement and uh you know especially as as we're uh, we're learning all sorts of things um, just in, in discussing with you guys and enjoying fan theories and all that kind of stuff. So keep it coming. We enjoy it. Absolutely. Keep it coming, guys. We'll see you next week. See you guys. The Almighty Podcast is a production of the Back Patio Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our others at BackPatioNetwork.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and check out our Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash BackPatioNetwork. And feel free to hit us up on Twitter at at BackPatioNet or at AlmightyPod. We'd love the chance to talk with you.